Don't answer. Take it away. That's pianist Christian Zacharias during an infamous performance of Haydn's Piano Concerto, where he stopped the concert because of a cell phone interruption. I'm Christopher Burris from the Ethergame Brain Trust, and today on EtherCast, the first of several inquiries on concert etiquette. We're asking the question, why is silence the cardinal rule of the concert hall? Here's part one, the origin story. Any of you who have gone to see a symphony or an opera are probably familiar with this sound. The orchestra is warming up and then either somebody comes out on stage or voiceover rings out through the concert hall, something like, welcome to such and such theater. We hope you enjoy this performance of such and such. Please turn off all cell phones and keep noise to a minimum so those around you can enjoy the music. From that point on, it's complete silence till the end of the piece. No clapping in between movements, no cheering after a solo or a difficult passage. It's almost like you're supposed to treat the concert with the same reverence as a church service. I think that if the audience were able to interact with an orchestra in the same way, that they do for, say, a jazz concert, we'd go a long way to start losing some of the stuffiness that the classical music world gets accused of. In fact, in Mozart's time, classical music concerts were generally a little rowdier. He wrote in some of his letters how much he appreciated the audience response, who would applaud and cheer during exciting moments of his music, and ask for encores of their favorite movements. Perhaps this more unrestrained version of the classical music concert has to do with the fact that in Mozart's time, the idea of a concert, the act of devoting time solely to the serious listening of live music, had only just emerged as a standard form of entertainment. Before the early 18th century, music was mostly auxiliary. Certain aristocrats sat and listened to music at royal courts, but more often, Music accompanied social functions, dinners, weddings, birthdays, and most commonly, church services. Not unlike the classical music concerts of today, The instrumental church music of the Baroque era required silence from its listeners, but that's because its purpose was to aid the listener in reflecting on the devotional quality of the music or on the listener's own religious piety. Also, this music was never independent. It was always bookended by sermons or liturgical rituals. That being said, the church did actually become one of the first places where the public could hear music for music's sake. In Lübeck, Germany, at St. Mary's Church, a group of local businessmen paid church musicians to give a series of performances on Sunday evenings called Abendmusik, or evening music. They were free to the public and devoid of liturgical function. Anybody could come sit and listen 
to an hour of free music. This is a sonata by Diedrich Buxtehude. Buxtehude was an organist at St. Mary's for 40 years, and his music was undoubtedly featured in the Abendmusik concerts. He's responsible for expanding the variety of music featured, from just organ and vocal music to full-on orchestral performances and oratorios. It's fascinating to listen to this and imagine it as some of the first live music that the general public in Lübeck could listen to for its own sake. No religious caveats, no financial constraints. How did these audiences react? Did the reverence of the church as the performance venue keep people quiet, as it would have today? Apparently not, because though the Abendmusik concerts continued into the early 19th century, Disorderly conduct was an occasional problem, so much so that the financial backers of the concert series contemplated charging admission to cull the audience of those who weren't serious about listening to music. And so the seed of concert etiquette is planted. This idea that concert music requires the complete attention of the listener, that there is a seriousness to music, begins to weave its way into the musical activities of 18th century Europe. But what about Mozart's appreciation for the rowdy enthusiasm of his audiences during his performances? We're still far away from the dark, giant, solemn and formal concert halls of Liszt and Wagner's time. So tune in next time on EtherCast to find out how we get there. In the meantime, join me and host Mark Chilla Tuesday evenings at 8 o'clock for our classical music trivia show, Ether Game. You might hear some Buxtehuda, or you might just win a prize. For the Ether Game Brain Trust, I'm Christopher Burris. <laughs>